how, what is important? What are important factors to, grow, to growing spiritually, to growing your faith, to belief in God, to knowing God, to growing spiritually? What are factors in that? And they mentioned things like reading the Bible, praying, going to a small group and things like that. But you know what? In this day and age, what didn't even crack the top 10 was attending a church service. Crazy, crazy. They, when, the, when respondents were asked the reasons they don't go to church, 40% said that I meet God elsewhere. And another 35% said it's just completely irrelevant to me. So, man, why is church important? Because people have a lot of different views of the church, right? A lot of us grew up thinking church was a building, this building that we go to and inside, it's incredibly boring. It's kind of nap time for me. It's a nice little respite on a Sunday morning or something like that, but it's a boring building. Others, like lead singer for the Stones, Mick Jagger, loves Jesus, but he believes that the church does more harm than good. He was quoted as saying that the church does more harm than good. Many people think it's a cultural thing. Ah, yeah, whatever. You kind of you grew up with it. Your family believed, and so that's why you believed. I heard a little story about a guy that was going through customs at an airport with his friend, and they gave him a little customs form, and he watched his buddy fill it out. And there's a portion on there where it has a religious affiliation, and he wrote N.A., that he wasn't religious, and then in parentheses wrote down Church of England. So it's like, yeah, I'm not religious, I don't do that, but yeah, I grew up culture in the Church of England, just, just so you know. I, I thought that was very ironic to hear that. But <clears throat> a lot of different ideas on what the church is and why it is or is not important. And for us, as a new church, brand new church still, especially brand new here to this space, only just a month in, as we try and reach this new community with the good news of Jesus and, and help them to experience God and, and have their needs met and, and whatnot in a new community, how, what are we telling them? What do they think about the church? How relevant is the church to them and how are we living out our identity as the church? Really, really important. So we're going to explore that today in our passage, and it's in Ephesians 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can pull those out and turn to the back of your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 25, 25 to 32 of Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screens, or our ushers have Bibles in the back. Just like these, just raise your hand. They will bring you a Bible, and you can have one for this morning. If you don't have one at home, you may keep it. And this is our gift to you because we believe it to be that important. But we are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5. Paul was, planted the church in Ephesus, and he's talking about just what it means to live for Christ, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And this is an interesting passage, so you'll have to bear with me. You'll have to bear with me, because like, how does this apply to us being the church now, Dave? Bear with me now. So we're in, we're in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Here we go. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Whew, heavy, heavy. Now, some of you may be saying right now, look, I don't see no vows on my connection card. I walked in the door today, and no one was was bound a knee to get engaged with me or anything. This is a little awkward. I don't know what to do. I'd expect to be bought breakfast before being proposed to, right? Like, just bear with me here. As, as the passage says, there is a profound connection, or really that marriage is a picture of God, specifically Jesus, and his church, of Jesus and his church. And I want you to keep this idea in mind. This is our main idea for today, and it it may not make full sense right now, but we're going to explore it together, and that's this. That we won't fully know the groom until we are willing, we willfully choose to be the bride. We won't know the groom until we choose to be the bride. Because, because when it comes to the church especially, we got, or God for that matter, we got commitment issues, don't we? We just want to test the waters a little bit. There's a lot of things and people from entertainment to jobs to, to leisure time. and There's a lot of things competing for my affections. I am a very sought-after individual with a lot of prospects, and I am not sure I'm ready to settle down just yet with Jesus and his church. And so we just, we just test things out, and we kind of keep them at arm's length, Right? A lot of people in the culture do. However, however, if we are comparing marriage and pursuing the church, what God is saying here is, and what Jesus literally says elsewhere in Scripture, you're either all in or you're all out with me. You don't enter into a marriage. I'm hedging my bets. We'll see how this goes. You're either all in or you are not. That's what marriage is. It is a covenant promise before God and people that I'm with you no matter what. And that's meant to be the relationship of Jesus and his church because the church, again, is not a building. The church is not these walls. The church is the body of Christ. The church is made up of the people, of Christ followers. Our mission here is that we are becoming a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change the world. We make up the church. The believers, the Christ followers, worldwide for that matter, are those that make up a church. It's an, or, uh, an organism. It's a body. It's not a building. Not simply a building. And so the church, you can't go to church. You can only gather with the church. And how is the church to interact with God? How does God, how did God interact with his church? Very important. We look at that first verse back in 25. Uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is profound. This is very different than our culture, again, approaches marriage. Marriage, love, relationships are approached with that idea of self-actualization, of what do I get out of this? Or how does this, what does this add to my life? How does this make my life better? When Jesus would say, no, 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 you enter into that relationship, especially that marriage relationship, but any relationship, it's not self-serving, it's self-giving. How can I bless them? How can I 
love, serve, give of myself to what the pastor says is to almost perfect them, to love them in such a way that they, they see themselves and they begin to act as that, that beautiful gift that they are to you. That's how Christ loved his church and sacrificed himself for her, gave of himself ultimately for. That's how we're, husbands are to love their wives, but that's how Jesus loved his church and how we are to love his church and those around us. Profound, profound. However, the problem we have is admitting our need for God to do that very thing. Because it's not easy for us to love selflessly like that. We have an internal problem that plays itself out externally. If you'll rewind with me to when you were in junior high, there is a profound change that happens in junior high, no? Called puberty. And we begin to notice those of the opposite sex, and we would like them to notice us. But I think God has an incredible sense of humor that as soon as we want the other sex to start noticing us, God gave us something else with puberty, acne. And our face explodes, and we no longer want them to notice us because the grease is there, the dirt is there, and I don't know what that is, but pus comes out of it, out of my face, and that is just wrong. That is just wrong. And back in, uh, when I was in junior high, we went through the, uh, I mean, skincare is a huge business, right? And especially for junior highs, where is my Neutrogena skin cleansing balm that, that gets me clear from this? Or the, uh, my favorite, the, the Biore strips, anyone? Biore strips, the, the, you put them on, you put them on the schnoz there, and you put some water on it, and it sticks like crazy, so that in a couple minutes, I get to tear that off along with all the blackheads on my nose. It's sick and disgusting, ask my wife. I bought them <laughs> off Amazon, bought them off Amazon like three years ago, just so I could have that sick joy once again. I bought the strips. I'm pathetic, I know. But back in, back in junior high, so we had all the surface level stuff but some of you remember with me when Accutane showed up Accutane you start to take pills you start to take some stuff now that it starts to to nuke you from the inside out your body is totally dried up your face dries up like a desert you start to get a little bit of those your skin in small amounts starts to peel off a little bit all my friends got pretty pale because it's just it's literally every bit of moisture is just sucked out of you but I have clear skin. I look good, don't I? Like, I mean, it, it's crazy. But regardless of <laughs> Accutane and whatnot, there were some side effects to that, which actually, uh, it, it came, to, became to found out that it causes like acid indigestion and really messes with your digestive system. You could lose your hair. My cousin experienced that. But we will pay any price for beauty and clear skin, will we not? Will we not? But why I bring that up, why I share that with you, is what Accutane did is got you from the inside out. All the other stuff was service level, and as, as dangerous as Accutane may have been, it did the job. It did the job, and it changed you. It changed us, literally, from the inside out. And that's what we need, because our issue, as I kind of alluded to earlier, we have an issue. It's best illustrated by, by any picture. I mean, Instagram is just a... It's a thing, obviously, in this day and age. Social media is. But any picture that we view with ourselves in it, what is the first and last thing we do? Uh-huh, how do I look in that picture? Okay, yeah, it's beautiful. I know there's stuff in the background. Oh, my friends, my family, that's great. But how do I look? How do I look? Why does my nose look so crooked 
in that picture. It must be the angle. It must be the angle. And what? Oh, gosh. That picture makes my forehead look like a five head. Why is my hair retreating on my scalp? What's happening? Why? And then when we find the good one, hey, babe, there it is. That's a Christmas picture. We found it. We found it. We are focused, and look, that's a simple thing, but look, what is the reality below that? We are very focused on self. We are very focused on ourselves. And that if we're going to see a change happen in us to be focused on others, we are going to need God's help. He's going to need to change us from the inside out. We can do some things on the outside, change a few behaviors, but we will not be changed on the, in, on the inside without God. We need him to help us. And what we do as those really somewhat self-centered individuals is we rationalize. Because again, back to the pictures, we want to look good. That's why we got all those filters. We want to look good. And so we rationalize our need for God. We rationalize our shortcomings and our brokenness too, our sin, right? We, I talked about it a little bit last week. Well, I'm not that bad, am I? I'm not a, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I haven't committed any heinous crimes this week. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't murdered anyone, raped anyone, killed anyone, you know, stolen. No, 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 no. I, I'm a good person, right? For the, for the purpose of argument, let, let me indulge that complete fantasy right now. I mean, there's more holes in that logic than the Titanic, but we're, we're going we're gonna to just indulge that fantasy for a minute and say, all right, fine, let's say you haven't committed sins this week. What about this, the good stuff? All right, because does, does God ask us, or just as a human being, is it, is it all about as long as you don't do the bad, you're in good shape? Or is it what... what what good have we actually done? People don't get medals for just not being bad. They get it for being good, right? So there's, there's the bad that we haven't done, but what about the good that we have neglected? Because we walk by people every day that are in immense need. We walk by people that are hurting, that are broken, that could use just a listening ear or a conversation that we couldn't, invest a little time with them or we walk by people that are hungry that need clothing and we're and we're sitting here well I've got to, I've got to save this much and oh great well I got a little left over I'm a, how about that new outfit I've been looking at you know just and I mean Nordstrom Rack that sale's not going to be there forever is it we buy that new outfit or we buy that new iPad or we get that 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 new TV that's two inches bigger than our old TV that worked just fine, but it's bigger now. It's bigger now. Got that screen, and we buy that new gaming system, or we go to the most expensive place on earth. I'm sorry, the happiest place on earth. Spend a few, <laughs> few hundred dollars there. I'm sorry, they're in our city, and I'm giving them a hard time, but man alive. But we spend money on all these things. When, let's be honest, there are people here in Orange County of all places that we could help give a meal to, that we could help clothe a family. I mean, if we're talking about Africa, we could probably feed a village. We could probably clothe a village or give some, a few kids a, an education for the next five, ten years. And the Bible, look, you call it what you will, rationalize it how you want. The Bible calls this sin, not doing what God asks us, not, asks us to do, not doing the good that God asks us to do. This is not meant to be a guilt trip, but a reality check. Not a guilt trip, but a reality check. That we have great need for God and that we can change a few things on the outside. We can go even serve other people, go help other people. 
but we need a savior. We need help. We need to be changed from the inside out. Look back at verses 31 and 32 of our passage in, in Ephesians. For this reason, this is under the idea that we need God. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. There is a profound unity amongst believers because God says that when when we come to faith in Jesus, that he gives us his spirit. The unified spirit of God lives in every believer unifying us. We have become one. When we become a Christian, when we follow Jesus, and when we become part of the church, we are one, we are unified with Christ. Just like in a marriage, all right? It, it's a little crude, but in marriage, physically, right, we, we come together as one flesh. Our bodies come together. We are literally inside one another in the act of marriage. And spiritually, God says, that represents what's happened spiritually, that we are spiritually united with that person. There is no higher level of intimacy than that in this world. And that's the level of intimacy that God wants with his church. Jesus came to sacrifice for his church so that we could restore intimacy and be with his church again. He wants to move in, renovate our hearts and change us from the inside out and offer us something better than we could have imagined for ourselves. But we gotta let him in. Nor can we do it without the church. I'll explain that more in a minute. But the church is the vehicle by which God has given us for us to know him. And only through the church, if we let him in, does this change from the inside out happen. A fellow by the name of Richard grew up in Wales. He was exposed to recreational drugs when he was a teenager, very young age. And he began to get addicted to them. And it was, it was okay at first, but over time, it got completely out of control. By the age of 30, he was burglarizing houses to steal and, and sell things for money to buy his drugs. He was caught. He was incarcerated. I mean, he's been burglarizing houses for years. And so he goes to jail. While in jail, to deal with the immense guilt, because he just, he looks at himself Kind of like we look at ourselves. I'm any old guy. I was a good person, but I just have this big issue that's led me down a path that I never thought I'd be at. And so he started going to chapel and meeting with the, with the chaplain to deal with his immense guilt. And each guy in the, in the jail gets a Bible. Typically, he said, they use the pages for rolling cigarettes because they're very easy to roll, and so that's what he was doing. He was sitting there in his cell the next day, uh, one day, and rolling cigarettes in the pages of his Bible when he heard an inner voice say, why don't you read that? Huh? I said again, why don't you read that? Okay, see what it is. So he, so he unrolls it. There's, it's a page from the Gospel of John, the, the story of Jesus from the Gospel of John. And it tells all about how this idea that Jesus came to sacrifice himself for us, for his people, for his church, so that we could be saved. And he was really impacted by that, undone by that. And so he went to sleep. He said that night he slept better than he has in months. And he woke up the next morning, dove back into the scriptures, dove back into the Bible and and was reading and reading. And that that next day, God showed him a picture. God showed him a vision of Jesus up there on the cross. And he was looking right at him, right at Richard and says, I did this for you, son. I did this for you. And in that moment, 
Richard gave his life over to Jesus, and it was, it, he said it was a bit of a journey, but since that time, he's never dealt with drug addiction or that enslavement to those substances again in his life, and today, he got out of jail, he went to school and became a pastor and is now a pastor at a church in Wales running a rehab program for former addicts and those who have been in prison. When God gets a hold of us, he changes us radically from the inside out. And that's the only change that can truly affect long-term, I mean, impact in our lives. We, again, we can put a Band-Aid on it. We can change a few behaviors, but long-term, it has to be God in us. And so, again, in the midst of God coming inside, changing us, doing this wonderful work, this unification with God, still, Dave, well, okay, but why do we need the church for that? Glad you asked. Back to verse 28 of our passage. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. That we come to faith in Christ, he's inviting us, he's giving us an invitation to be a part of a new family, his family. And is the church messy? Heck yes, it is. Back to Mick Jagger's comment. Yes, we are. The church has made mistakes. The church, by definition, is made up of a bunch of needy, broken people coming together to seek God together. And that's exactly why we need each other. I believe that's exactly why God gave it to us. I mean, again, it's the only, it's the only vehicle by which God gave us to know him and serve him together as a unified church. But it's so that we can share what's going on. This is why we do life groups, so that we share our lives together, the difficulties, the struggles, the stories that we've had so that others can see that and relate. Oh my gosh, I've experienced that same thing. I was hopeless. How can we do this? We bear one another's burdens and encourage each other daily as we meet together. We need each other. We were made, I mean, everyone acknowledges that we were made for relationship. We can't do this alone. We're not supposed to do this alone. But we bear one another's burdens. We encourage one another. We walk alongside one another. Hopefully it's with our friends for Pete's sake and we enjoy it. It should be fun. But it's also incredibly meaningful to have other people. But it's messy. Of course it's messy. That's why we need them in the first place. And so we have to be willing if we want to experience God, God gave the church to experience him through other believers. That's just how he did it. And so that is why we have been given the beautiful gift of the church. There was a, heard another story of a guy who was really struggling in his faith. He grew up in church, grew up religious, but as he got older, had some questions that, that weren't getting answered. And so he began to question, and he began to really struggle in his faith, have some real issues with faith. And he wasn't going to church anymore. He was just, he didn't know what to do. And so there was a, an older fellow that he knew that had walked the road a lot longer than he had, a mentor, if you will. And he reached out to him and said, can we meet? Sure. So they sit down at the mentor's house in front of his fireplace one evening, and the, the young man just starts to pour out his heart. Man, this is what I've been going through. This is, everything's been so tough. I've just been questioning. I don't know what to do. And after, the, after a brief pause, the mentor is just sitting there listening to him. And he takes the tongs of the fire, or the 
and he takes a little coal out of the fire, just one coal, and he puts it on the hearth, right, right next to the fire. Puts the tongs back, goes on to listening to the, to the young man. The young man keeps sharing and everything, and he begins to notice that coal. That coal is, is getting cold. It's, it's not even black anymore. It's become kind of gray and ashen, and it's cooling off, quite obviously. And so he notices it, but he continues to share. And after a few minutes, the mentor grabs the tongs again and grabs the coal, puts it back in the fire, puts the tongs down, goes back to listening. And, and now the, the young man realizes that his, his, this guy is trying to tell him something. And so he kind of sits there for, for a few moments, even a minute, and just looks at the fire and looks at the coal. And he notices that very quickly, actually, just over a couple of minutes' time, that coal reignites. That coal starts to burn red hot again with the rest of the coals and starts to do its job in emanating heat again. And that, that young man, he didn't have to ask the old man anything. He, he left there that night knowing exactly what he was trying to say to him, that I got to go back to the body. I got to go back to the church. I've been disconnected, and we need each other, and I need each other. It keeps us encouraged. It keeps us warm, and it encourages us in our faith. And it's the, the, the place which we live out our faith together. We cannot do it alone. Earlier when I mentioned those sins of omission, the good that we don't do, what I failed to mention was that that is a completely unrealistic and unfair expectation that we should be aware of every need of every person all around us and the, and the idea that we could meet that is completely overwhelming and we would be paralyzed with guilt if we actually had to do that. God is not calling us to meet the needs of everyone. He has good for us to do, make no mistake, but God is not calling us to reach everyone. The beauty is that's why he gave the church. That's why he fills and unifies the church because he's aware of all those needs and he has put together the church to be God's hands and feet. Each of us has a role to play and if we are listening, if we allow ourselves to be directed by God, that one, all those needs are gonna get met because what is he gonna do? He's gonna say, Dave, you need to love on that person. You need to go share with them. You need to go listen, have a meal with them. You need to serve them, give something or other. That, you need to go talk to them. And that person, you don't. Nope, don't go talk to that person because I've uniquely gifted and positioned someone else to go love on them and to go meet their needs. And don't go meet them because there's someone else who you would even be stealing from, stealing joy from, and the ability of them to give of their gifts time and resources to meet that person's needs. That's why we absolutely must have the body because if we are listening to the unified God of the universe that brings us together by his spirit that lives inside of us, his literal presence, that intimacy with God, those needs will get met outside and we will not be overburdened. We will be empowered to do the good that God has called us to do. We cannot live out the Christian faith without each other. It's a beautiful picture that God is calling us to something bigger than ourselves. There are 2.4 billion Christians worldwide. We're part of a much larger organization that is, that is moving forward and doing great good. The reality is, for all her shortcomings, for all her brokenness, the church is the organization that does the most charitable, charitable work worldwide, year after year after year. In the year 1900, there were 10 million Christians in Africa. In the year 2000, that number had grown to 360 million Christians. 
in China in 1940, there were 4 million Christians. In the year 2000, there were 100 million Christians. And experts think that that number may have, may have nearly doubled or tripled today, making it the largest, ironically, largest Christian nation in the world, quite possibly. The church is on the move, and we are part of something bigger and beautiful if we will allow ourselves to commit, to be all in, and to seek God through his bride, to allow ourselves to be the bride so that we might truly know the groom. Because we each have a part to play. We each are essential. If it's a body, each part is essential. There are gifts that you have and people that you know and that God wants you to, to love on and to serve that I can't reach, that I can't meet those needs. I don't have those gifts. And there are people that I know and there are gifts that I have that you don't have and people that I'm supposed to reach. Each of us is absolutely necessary to the body and to the body living out its calling to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to love on other people, to bring the good news of Jesus and salvation, but also to serve and unleash compassion. We are all needed, and it's my, it's my invitation, it's my hope today that we will engage. If you have that question, if you're unsure that this would be the day that, all right, all right, I've been keeping God and maybe the church at arm's length, or I wasn't sure about committing everything, but I see the role of community. I see the role of relationship, the role of the church in my life, and I want to be a part of that. I, just, I simply want to play my role, because there are needs in this room today that I believe some of us are meant to meet. There are needs right out those doors in our community in Anaheim that we're meant to meet today. There are needs in the relationships that you already have around you today that you are uniquely gifted and positioned to meet. That I can't, that we can't. And so I wanna engage us and unleash us today to be a part of and to take up our role in that bigger vision, that bigger picture of what God is doing. And so if that's you today, please indicate that on your card. I know it seems simple. I know it might seem a little annoying. Let us know because we want to honor that and we want to have you, whether it's serving, whether it's getting connected with other people because you need that help and there's other people that are gifted to help, whatever it is to get connected, to get engaged with the church, indicate that. Come talk to us. Come find someone with a lanyard afterwards or indicate on, the, on, on your cards today. And as we close today, as we close, the, the, the band's gonna come back up. We're gonna do, you see the, you see the wine, grape juice, and, and bread up here. We're gonna do what the church does and celebrate our unity. Celebrate the foundation of what we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The bread representing his body, the wine or grape juice representing his blood poured out for us, that that sacrifice is the crux, is the center of all of Christianity throughout all of human history, and we celebrate this as the church. And if you're someone who doesn't consider yourself to be a Christ follower or not a Christian, we're glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. This is something that Christians do together, so you're, we welcome you to just stay in your seats and praise God, worship God, sing, just sit there and, and pray, whatever you like to do. But... If God is stirring in you today and you want to take communion because you want to believe, I'm going to give you a chance to pray that in just a couple minutes and to just simply tell God, I want that. I know I need you. I need your church, but I want to receive you for the first time.
time today, you'll have an opportunity to do that. But for the rest of us, after we pray, uh, I invite you to stand uh, at the beginning of the song and you just come up, and it's what we call rip and dip. So you'll just take, you'll take off a small piece of bread, you'll dip it in the, in the grape juice, and you can take it right here, or you can bring it back to your seat with you. That's totally up to you. But we do this in remembrance of what Christ did for us, celebrating the beauty of what he accomplished on the cross. So if you would bow your heads with me right now. So firstly, for those of you in the room today that have not, have never committed to the church, to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity right now as we prepare to receive his body and his blood, what he did, the sacrifice he made for us, for you to receive that for the first time so that you might be saved, so that your life might be changed from the inside out by our loving Heavenly Father and His Son. And so if, if that's you, it's all in. It's all in. It's taking that step. And so I, I ask with, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, you don't have to worry about the people around you. If that's you today, declare that to God and stand. Stand and tell Him that I want to be a part of this church because I want what you have to offer, Father. So I stand and declare, you can repeat after me in your hearts. Lord, I've gone my own way. I admit my selfishness. And I admit my need for you. I receive the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and his resurrection as new life. to be a part of your church today. So we remember, because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, this is my blood, my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so, Father, today we take stock of how we are fallen short, how much we need you, and how much we need your church. We say thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, and we remember the forgiveness that was hard won for us on the cross as you lovingly gave your son.